Good to see you. My name's Jonathan, if you don't know me, and I bring greetings from Hope Central, uh, who are just coming to the end of their meeting this morning. It's great to be with you, though. I was quite excited driving up uh, to see you all, and great to just catch the end of your time of worship with God, and just to sense what God is doing here this morning. Now, some of you might have recognized, if you weren't too busy with kids, the song that we were, we were playing there. Does anybody, anybody know what it is? No? Yes, that's right. It was Don't Worry, Be Happy. It was a hit. Actually, it was the first UK a cappella hit, believe it or not, in September 1988. So that's when it came out. Bobby McFerrin. It's a chirpy little tune, isn't it? He picked up that phrase. It was really big in the 1960s, so I'm told. <laughs> yeah, you are awake. And it's, it was really very much part of the 60s vibe. And it sounds great, doesn't it? Don't worry, be happy. Probably sounds better still if you've been smoking something. But the truth is that it's actually a meaningless phrase. Why is it meaningless? Well, because it has no substance to it. It's like a bubble. You know, you try and get hold of it. There's nothing really there. There's no basis for saying, it's a great wish, and it's a chirpy little tune, but there's no real basis for saying to someone, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, I mean, I don't know about you, you don't have to look very far, maybe in your own life or those around you or wider in the world before you might come to the conclusion there's probably quite a lot that you could worry about. And as for be happy, what does that really mean? Who says? How does that work? But the good news today is that God is not so vague. I think that's great news. And what it means is that God gives us reasons why we don't need to worry. God says don't worry, but he has reasons for us. It is based on something. And God says be happy, and he gives us things to be happy about. So when God speaks, it's actually based on a foundation. It has substance. God knows how we are made. He made us. He knows. God came to this earth in the form of Jesus, 100% man, 100% God. So God himself has experienced what we feel, yet without sin. So God really knows what we struggle with. He himself has experienced these struggles. And he recognizes our tendency to worry. And he recognizes the reasons why we worry. And so as Jesus uh, deals with this head on, we're going to read a bit from the Bible in a moment. Um, as I said, he gives us reasons not to worry and reasons to be happy. He wants to give us help based on a solid foundation. So let's look uh, from Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, says Jesus... Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory 
in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that. <laughs> now, just as I'm continuing on, I'm really grateful to our, some of our young people here and Tori who've been out helping me this morning. So uh, they're going to come through the group here this morning handing out flowers. So please each take a flower and hang on to it and everything will become clear later on. Is that all right? So just while I carry on, if they could do that. Thank you so much for going. These are fresh picked for us this very morning. Okay. Well, while they're doing that, let me just return back to what Jesus said. And uh, you might have noticed that the very first word Jesus said was, therefore. And it's a good principle when we're reading the Bible, that when we see the word therefore, we need to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Do you get that? It's, it's there for a reason. And it means it refers back to what was said before. So if you were here last week, Steve was giving us uh, Jesus' teaching about the dangers of greed. And he finished with these words, Jesus' words, you cannot serve God and money. You can't. You can't. You just can't. Jesus says you can't serve God and money. Therefore, don't worry. Interesting. You see, we seem to live, at least to me it seems, we live in an age of increasing anxiety. Uh, our, our media seems to fan the flames of our anxiety, causes us fear, causes us to wonder what's going to happen. More and more, we see people being diagnosed with anxiety as a, as a condition, and it spreads even to our younger people, sadly even to our children, who really should be living carefree young lives. It's a sad process. And maybe some of us, even here today, are struggling and battling with that sort of anxiety. But whether anxiety is severe for you, or an occasional thing, or wherever you are on that sort of spectrum, I believe God wants all of us to take another step today, even if it's a little step, inviting us into a new way of life. Jesus' teaching is the way to life. It's the way to the life God wants us to have, that Jesus demonstrated. Because you see, Anxiety is, is not new. It's not a 21st century British phenomenon. Jesus was talking to people who lived in a precarious, you don't know what's going to happen next, brutal world. These were people who lived under military occupation by the Romans, not known for their kind-heartedness and general bonhomie. They had no welfare state. There was no social services, there were no national health service, there was no state pension. Imagine that. That was the world of Jesus' hearers. And yet Jesus says to them, and he's saying to us, don't worry. 
Don't worry. Don't be anxious. What would we say worry and anxiety is? Well, I've got two definitions here, one with big words and one with smaller ones. So if you're a big word person, here it comes. Worry and anxiety is a disproportionate level of concern based on an inappropriate amount of fear. Okay, I can see <laughs> a disproportionate level of concern based on an inappropriate amount of fear. Or if you want the short version, it's when we're over-concerned based on fears we either don't know or can't know about. Because concern and caution and care are appropriate, and the Bible commends them. We wear seatbelts when we get into cars. We use sunblock when we go outdoors, or at least some of us do. Where we can, we save for our future. We look before we cross the road. These are all genuine, right concerns and caution. Don't go too near the edge of the cliff. These are all good things to do. But worry and anxiety goes beyond those things and worries about what we can't control. In the end, it does come down to control. You and I probably both know from personal experience that when we are worried, when we are anxious, it keeps us focused on our own limited resources. When we are trusting God, it keeps my attention on his limitless resources. Worry happens when I am on the throne of my life, when I'm the boss of my life, I worry. Trust happens when God is on the throne of our life and we live in his kingdom. Worry and the kingdom don't exist together very well. It's not a place where worry should be. And I believe God wants us to grow into the, the way of life that he shows us. I'm going to read you a little quote. It's from uh, a book called The Good and Beautiful Life by someone called James Brian Smith. And it's a challenging perspective on life. Here it is. We, as Christians, live in the unshakable kingdom of God. So that even when we are tested, we never truly fail. That is why I'm confident that our world is perfectly safe. Safe, you may be thinking? Are you kidding? This world is scary and dangerous. Well, that is true if you are on the throne of your life. You're living outside of the kingdom of God. But inside the kingdom of God, we are in no danger. No danger. You could get cancer, hit by a bus, lose your job or lose a loved one in a heartbeat. Let me say clearly, none of these things can harm those who live in the kingdom. If we die, we step into glory. If we lose a job, we can learn how to trust God for something better. If we lose a loved one, we can be certain that we will soon enjoy their company for all eternity. As long as we live in fellowship with our good and beautiful God in his mighty kingdom, we have nothing to fear, not even fear itself. For nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God. When we know this to be true, when we increasingly know this to be true, we can let go of worry and begin living with confidence and joy. Wow.
That's challenging, isn't it? That's a challenging perspective. You see, it's not that we don't have things that cause us anxiety or cause us concern. It's what we do with them that matters. Jesus said, every day has enough troubles. The question is, what do we do? So, I think Jesus uh, actually gives us something good to do. And the first thing I think is, don't just sit there, do something. Don't just sit there and accept that that's the way it is. Maybe you should do something. Here's what Jesus says. You see, I believe in these verses, Jesus is not giving us a nice illustration. He's not giving us a suggestion for a poster we could make up, or even a memory verse that we can recite back to him, though there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I think Jesus is giving us instructions as to what to do. He is giving us a practice that we can do. Many of you, I'm sure, know these verses. We could probably recite them. But it's not doing that that would do us good. It's actually getting the truth in our hearts. It's doing what Jesus says, not just hearing what Jesus says. It's in being obedient, if you had heard Luke Truebody when he was here recently, when we are in the circle, the hoop. Did he do that here? Yeah. When you're in the circle of obedience of God's kingdom, you'll find that you're standing in the circle of his blessing. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus, who's sitting outside as he teaches, just reaches for the things that are around him. And in doing so, I think he gives us uh, a practice, a pattern to follow. And it goes something like this. First one is this. Stop doing that and start doing this. It's quite difficult, isn't it, to just stop doing something. Almost impossible for us. But we can stop doing one thing and do something else. And, the, and in Jesus' pictures here, it means engaging our senses. Secondly, he says this. Here's something for you to chew on while you're doing that. Engage your mind. Engage your brain in this process. And then thirdly comes a probing question from Jesus that goes straight to our hearts. He's not looking for uh, a test score, a correct answer. He's looking for what's in our hearts. And in doing this, Jesus focuses on the basic questions that we all ask. He's talking about food, he's talking about clothes, but in reality, he's answering the question that we all ask. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be all right? <laughs> Am I really? So, uh, I thought it would be good for us to practice doing what Jesus says this morning. You up for that? Well, it's coming, actually, to be honest, ready or not. So you, you might as well pretend yes. <laughs> uh, dear. So uh, what has Jesus asked us to do? Well, you might think at first sight he's asking us to do something like this. If it comes here. Is Jesus saying... If you don't know what a twitcher is, actually, it's, I don't know if it's a rude name for a bird watcher. <laughs> is Jesus asking us all to become bird watchers? Do we need to go out and buy binoculars and walk around? No, no, he's not saying that. Not at all. And um, he's asking us to do something a little bit different. If you look at his words, Jesus is saying, look at the birds of the air. Now, I haven't got any birds here this morning, which is probably a relief to some of you. But through the marvels of technology, I do have a short video, which uh, James has been brilliant in helping me show you. Um, 
And what I'd encourage you to do is, is get comfortable. Nice and comfortable. Are you nice and comfortable? It's only short. I want you to don't close your eyes. And I want you to watch this video. And I'm going to just do some talking where you listen as I repeat some of Jesus' words. And I just want you to allow Holy Spirit maybe to remind you of something, maybe to drop something into your heart as we do what Jesus told us to do. Okay? Okay. Up for that. Here we go. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Look at them. Really, really look at them. Maybe like you'd never seen one before. Look closely. Focus on them. Consider them. Look at how they're designed. Look at how God has made them perfect for what they do. Look at their beauty, their gracefulness. Look at their joy in just doing what he made them to do. How they just live their lives. And while you're doing that, chew on this thought. They've never planted a single crop. They don't reap. They don't harvest. They've never stored anything up for the future in a barn. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Now let this question sink into your heart. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? Recognize you're precious to God. And another question, can any of us really, by worrying, add a single hour to our lives? Jesus is inviting us to recognize our limitations, to rest in accepting our limits, and to trust in his limitlessness. Don't be anxious about food, Jesus says. You're worth more than the birds. Now, contrary to what's usually said, here's something you can do at home. Do do this at home. Do do this when you're out. Do pay attention. Do listen. Maybe when you are feeling anxious, do something. Take Jesus' words to heart. Let's keep looking at the birds for a moment and considering something about them. So in my back garden, I have got a bird feeder and it's right outside the back and every morning as I eat my breakfast, I watch the birds coming and feeding. And I, and I love it, I get to see it. It's a constant reminder to me of what Jesus is telling us. It's a constant reminder that I have a Father in heaven who feeds the birds and who cares for me. And the other great thing is, I get to share in it, because I've got a secret to share with you. It's me that fills up the bird seed, not God. It doesn't kind of automatically fill. And so I get actually to partner with God in being his provider, and I get to share in his joy at seeing them provided for. So it's a wonderful thing really, that we could be part of God's story of provision for others. And I know that's a story that many of you here will have experienced yourself in this generous church. 
I watch these birds, you know, and as we saw them on the video, they, they are not flocking around worrying about Brexit. They are not sitting in the trees discussing the nature of their pension funds. No, they just live their lives and they trust in their maker. They're doing life. Oh, so what am I saying? Do we all leave work? Stop paying into that pension fund? Whatever. No, I'm not saying that. Of course not. Birds actually do something. They go about and they gather seeds. They go about and they find bugs. They make nests. They rear young. They get on with life. But they do it without worrying. They just trust in their maker. In Jesus' day, you could buy birds for a handful of loose change. They were worth next to nothing. Next to nothing. But we could never put a value on a person. That's Jesus' point. If we turn to God and ask him to provide our daily bread, as he's told us to do, then we can trust he will do so. If God provides for these birds who don't sow and don't reap and don't store anything and who are not as valuable, how much more will he provide for you, his precious and priceless one, who work very hard for what you have? Jesus said, Look at the birds. He also talked about flowers. So, little warning here. I know some men are kind of a bit funny about flowers. I don't know if any of you are, but maybe you are. So I just want to remind you that Jesus, the man Jesus, our brother, is talking about flowers. And he wasn't addressing a ladies' meeting. Okay? So Jesus is talking about flowers to men and women, so get over yourself. This is about flowers. Don't go all funny on me. I don't know whether you've ever stopped to, really, really stopped to look at flowers. Uh, Taking Jesus' words to heart, it's really interesting. Because Jesus is encouraging us to stop and look at the wild flowers. And I don't know about you, but when you do this, when I've done this, it is amazing when you look at everywhere you go, there are beautiful wild flowers. What a waste. They don't do anything. They don't, you know, they're, they're not actually, <laughs> they're just God's extravagant display in our beautiful world. And Jesus says we should consider them. We should think about them. We should examine them. Have you got the flowers there? Wave if you've got your flowers. Get your, get your flowers up. Okay. It might be suffering a little bit. I'm looking at somebody. <laughs> that tells you something else as well. Because Jesus talked about that. Today it's here, tomorrow it's gone. But if you start to look at it, or if your flower is not particularly in great shape, you can look at what's on the screen. You look again at them and see. Look at their simple, maybe, but beauty. They're there to, to do a function, but God hasn't made them functional. He's made them beautiful. Look at the trouble God has gone to make that, that sits on my lawn, that I mow up in their hundreds and stick them in the compost heap. That's the thing you need to chew on. Look at them and see them. And then the heart question comes down to this. All this effort God puts in to something that's in many senses worthless, if that's how God clothes them, then don't you think 
he will clothe you, you of little faith. There's a lovely fatherly tone, I think, about that. Reminds me of times with my kids when they were anxious or upset. I just sense, you know, that the arm of God around us and say, don't, don't you think I'll look after you? You have little faith. Don't you think? There's a warmness and a kindness to God's tone. In Isaiah chapter 40, it talks about the flowers of the field. You've often probably heard it read at funerals, talking about the brevity of our life. The wind blows and it's gone. But here, Jesus is not saying life is brief, enjoy it, though that is true and biblical. His point is that if God goes to such lengths to make an insignificant flower beautiful, and that's a fairly impressive clothes review. King Solomon, famed throughout the world for his glory, covered in gold and bling and purple and whatever, and Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If he does that for these flowers, how much more will he take care of people who are made in his own image? Which is what we are. You see, if Jesus' words really land in our hearts, then we will get what he says next, which is this. So don't worry. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows. He knows. He knows what you need. And that truth, I promise you, as we grow in it and let it sink more and more in our hearts, it dissolves worry and anxiety. It's like a kind of a sink unblocker. It actually gets rid of the stuff that gums up our hearts with worry. When we really get that our Heavenly Father knows, we can see two things. Firstly, we recognize God's ability and his care. And that's important that we get both ends of that. You see, if God was totally powerful and able but didn't care, we'd be in trouble. Equally, if God really cared but actually couldn't do very much, that's a pretty dire state as well. But the fact of the matter is, friends, that God is able and he cares. He cares. He cares about our cares. He knows your needs before you ask. It's not a mechanical relationship. It's a father-child relationship we have. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this, Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. There's a young lady back in uh, Hope Central called Dawn who's given me permission to share these uh, quick stories. Uh, Dawn came to faith quite recently after an Alpha course, a matter of six months or so ago. And she got baptized. Maybe some of you were there when she did. And Dawn has been finding out that she has a father who knows her needs and that he will take care of her. Dawn uh, has, has just, as I say, just come to faith, brought lots of baggage with her. God is at work in her life. And she had a really big phone bill that she had to pay, and she didn't have the money. So we prayed together in our little group, and then she got some extra shifts so she could earn some money. It's great. Look to God, be responsible, and then somebody paid her phone bill for her. She didn't know who it was. I don't know who it was but I know who was behind it. <laughs> she had a heavenly father who knows her need. And just to underline the point, 
A couple of weeks later, she was in a shoe shop. Strange for a lady, but there we are. She was in a shoe shop looking at some shoes, and she couldn't afford to buy them, but she was going to save up and buy them. And she happened to be chatting to another customer who was there, and uh, he was saying, oh, you're going to buy some shoes. She said, well, uh, in a bar, because I'm not, you know, can't quite afford it yet, but I, I will. And uh, anyway, he disappeared off. She wandered around the shop for a minute. A few minutes later, he comes back and he gives the shoes to her. He's bought them for her. She'd never seen him before in her life. She'd never seen him since. Your father knows your needs. He knows your needs. Second thing is this, and it's the other side of the coin. We need to recognize more and more our value to him. Are you not worth much more than the birds? Is Jesus' heart question. If God takes such trouble, how much more will he take trouble over you? Do you know your value to God, who gave his only son for you, who gave his most precious possession to win you back? You know, if, these, if, if what I'm saying at this point doesn't really sit in your heart, it's an area that you struggle with, I want to encourage you to take action because we can understand more of God if we take action. Maybe it's prayer this morning. You could sign up. We have a Freedom in Christ course that runs in the autumn. And there are people here. Uh, Matt is uh, on part of our team. You want to find out more about it, talk to him. I encourage you. Matt's on, sitting on the end there in case you don't know him. There are people in our church here today and in Central whose lives have been transformed as they got hold of some of these things and who are walking in the way of life that Jesus intended us to have rather than struggling on. One more thing as I come to a close. Jesus has a further teaching for us and it's this, one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, I don't know about you, I don't tend to worry too much about now. Do you? Actually, my, what goes on in my head is I worry about what the future holds, what might happen, what could happen, what might not happen. And I think about the past as well sometimes. And sometimes that all goes on in my head. What about yours? Where do you spend most of your time in your head? Consider it. Have a think about it. How much time do you spend chewing over the past or worrying about the future? Maybe you, like me sometimes, you kind of spend such a lot of effort praying about what might happen in the future, you actually don't get to live in peace today. But Jesus wants us to live in peace today, to walk in his peace. Jesus lived in the now. I think the trendy word for it would be being present. Jesus was present. He lived in today. That's why he could sit and teach and just pull out examples of what was around him. He was there. He was consciously there. I get a great privilege of walking in from where I live in Stanmore into the, the MBC, into Hope Central, every, uh, pretty much every day. And uh, I know that there are some days when I've walked in and I have no idea. I don't remember walking in, to be honest. I'm just there. Thankfully, I'm not driving. And yet, as I've taken note of some of Jesus' teaching, I've started to become more conscious. And now as I walk, I, I know where the beautiful flowers in people's gardens are. I know where the scented 
amazing alleyways are. I walk by the glory of the cathedral, the beauty of the river. I've, I'm connected. And you know what? What's really interesting is, as I get out of my head and into God's world, I feel God speak to me. I can hear his voice much more easily than when I'm wrapped up in my own life. The kingdom operates today. It's a today kingdom. Yeah, it gives us hope for the future. Yes, it deals with the past, but we can only live in today. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Who knows if we'll even be here tomorrow? Only God. The Bible talks about today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when God wants to do things. The Bible says today, if you hear God's voice, don't clam up. Don't close up your heart. Today, respond to him. Let's seek to live one day at a time, which is what Jesus says. So how can I sum it all up? Well, I'm going to use Jesus' own words. John and Ben, do you want to come back up now just as I'm finishing off? Thank you. Jesus' own words are very well known to some of us. And it's a wonderful promise. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Yeah, Get out of my head where I'm all concerned about my life and what's going on. Get into God's world and actually all the other things are taken care of. What Jesus is really saying is our preoccupation, the thing that actually fills our minds, should be his kingdom and his righteousness. And all the other stuff will just happen. It will all follow. So let's get our priorities in order. I encourage you, get your priorities in order. Your father knows what you need. He really does. You don't have to worry about stuff. We can trust him. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 basically say, don't worry, pray with thanksgiving. Turn your cares into prayers. Turn your cares into prayers because God cares about what we are worried about. Discover the peace of God that actually goes way beyond our understanding. It's how we can at times be at peace in situations that would otherwise be really, really difficult for us. It's the peace of God. It's discovering the peace of God that he wants to live. That's the way to life. That's the way Jesus wants us to live. John and the band are going to lead us in a response song in a little moment. But let me just close with a couple of thoughts and then I'm going to read that quote again. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or here today and you struggle maybe greatly. I want you to know that doesn't define who you are. That doesn't define who you are. That's just your battleground. Maybe it's not mine, but mine will be different. That's just your battleground. I may battle with anxiety until that day when I see Jesus face to face. But I want to tell you this. I'm determined to battle. I'm going to fight it. I'm not going to make peace with something that God doesn't want for my life. I'm going to press on until the end. If you're a Christian here today, you are a child of God. Whatever your battles, you are a child of God. You are one in whom Jesus lives. And you are living in the unshakable kingdom of God. It's good news. The treasure we carry is Jesus in us. 
We carry it in our bodies, which are just clay pots. If you just close your eyes for a moment, I want to read to you that quote I read at the beginning. It's challenging. It's a biblical perspective. But it's one that we might take another step towards this morning. One that we can grow in. And it's great news for us. We live in the unshakable kingdom of God so that even when we are tested, we never really fail. That's why I'm confident our world is perfectly safe. Safe? You may be thinking, are you kidding? This world is scary and dangerous. Well, that is true if you are on the throne of your life, if you are trying to run your own life outside the kingdom of God. Inside the kingdom of God, we're in no danger. No danger. I could get cancer. I could get hit by a bus, lose my job, lose a loved one. Just like that. Let me say clearly, none of these things can harm those who live in the kingdom. If we die, we step into glory. If we lose a job, we can learn how to trust God for something better. If we lose a loved one, we can be certain that we will soon enjoy their company for all eternity. As long as we live in fellowship with our good and beautiful God in his mighty kingdom, we have nothing to fear, not even fear itself. For nothing, for nothing, 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 in life or death can separate us from the love of God. When we know this to be true, as we grow in knowing this to be true, we can let go of worry and begin living with confidence and joy. This is the way to life, the way that God wants us, his children.